Hello, and welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay, a queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, Elsio123, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus. And today we are discussing Moments Later. Uh, this is essentially the first in a long line of setup take back episodes over the run of the show. Uh, Keep Your Friends Close was the liar in danger cliffhanger, which is now being followed up by Moments Later being the but she's mostly fine resolution. <laughs> but we do have some great things to talk about, including La Perla Truces. Creepshot kisses and dream ghost candy stripers. Yes. And and this is really also following in that pretty little liar, liar's pattern of we know who A is. This is who A is. This is exactly who A is. But this is clearly not who A is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it like like it it take it's take backsies on the A resolutions as well. Exactly, exactly. And, and in that same way that the person who the liars believe is A is going to seem really, really, really creepy doing pretty innocuous things. Mm-hmm, and in mm-hmm. some ways in this episode actually doing really good things, but we'll yeah, get there. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we jump in as the car that hit Hannah zooms into the woods. Uh, a hooded figure ditches the car and jumps out, running back towards the party. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we get Ashley Marin. She sees police lights flashing in her rearview mirror. She nervously pulls over, quickly closing her handbag to conceal the stacks of stolen Potter money that's riding shotgun. Yeah, I really like this. This is like a classic liars um, slash Ashley because Ashley's sort of an honorary liar at, at points. Uh, this is a classic, a classic liars thing where it's like, oh my gosh, there's this thing that I have to hide and this is the reason why there's the police or this is the reason why I'm getting notified. And actually it's about something else entirely. Uh, And and Ashley um, basically gets away by the skin of her teeth where um, Barry is the one who's pulling her over and uh, he lets her know that Hannah has been in in an accident. Yes, yes. Uh, Back at the campground, Hannah is being loaded into an ambulance as the liars look on. Uh, Mona asks a party goer, is that Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) and then the liars decide to follow the ambulance to the hospital as they're on their ways to the car uh area spots noel lurking in the crowd like a shady lurker yes in a hoodie yes wearing a hoodie yeah yeah it was a byo hoodie situation because i don't think about the camp mona swag as we know camp mona was a girls only party (laughs) yes it was yes uh, at the hospital, we have some exposition as the liars talk to their parents over the phone. Their parents who should be there. And just as I was noting that, it became clear that Spencer isn't even talking to a parent. She's talking to Alex. Uh, poor Spencer, raised by wolves, has nobody who cares for her. Uh, and Ashley comes out and she reveals that there's a broken leg, some bruised ribs, possibly her spleen will need to be removed. Uh, and she asks the liars what happened aria basically reveals what happened without revealing a uh and they learn that toby has been caught in town and so he couldn't have done it ashley sends the liars home yes now do you feel like this is actually the first point at which the liars should have told the police like hannah has had a grievous bodily injury as a result of the a game 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that there are many points before this that they probably could have told the police. But I think at this point, like, I was I was going to make a comment about this being an eye for an eye with Jenna, but that seems like insensitive. Um, so I will say that, yes, I think that this is, if the, if, the Jenna, if the Jenna thing situation is the thing that they're weighing this against, this is certainly on par with that. Right. It's time to, it's, it's time to fess up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I I felt like when they were discussing what they were going to do, there was a little bit more of a push from some of the liars that they maybe should talk to the police, Mm -hmm. um, which then they say like, well, we should like wait to talk to Hannah before they do anything, which I feel like Hannah like might need to have her spleen removed. It would be okay for you to take a vote like in absentia. I feel <laughs> right. Yeah, this is such a classic liars. Do we tell the cops? No, wait, we can't because of this other thing that the cops can't know about. Uh, but you, you really get the sense, like how incredibly scary this is for them here. Uh, and they're trying to strategize. They're just teenagers, like and yeah. they're trying to strategize this really intense situation that would be scary for anyone. Uh, and we really get a sense of that in the next scene when a very tearful and freaked out Spencer arrives home and actually receives comfort from Melissa, a weird thing to see. Um, Melissa is hugging Spencer, offering comfort while sounding super suspicious as she asks some <laughs> probing questions. And then suddenly a shirtless Ian appears in the doorway. Uh Ian, who mentions practice, being sure to reestablish his authority over Spencer and blur the boundaries, while also reestablishing himself as a presence back in the household, this will be the start of a long line of him just kind of popping up in doorways and behind counters, uh, ready to ready to strike. Yes, yes. Um, he has these unbuttoned black silk PJs, and uh, he asks if Hannah is going to be okay, which is like... I feel like that's a weird question. Uh, you know, they're they're both acting super suspicious, but yeah, I mean, my note for him was boundaries and buttons, my man. He needs more <laughs> of both. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Melissa says, you know, he's there because they have a lot to catch up on. Uh, and then they head back out to the barn and Spencer stares after them in a state of shock and worry. Yes. Yeah. Spencer is really, really freaked out. And, and as we know, part of the reason is that she's just learned that uh, Ian had a connection with Allison, mm-hmm. which she previously didn't know about. Um, we then see Ashley by Hannah's bedside while Hannah wakes up. Ashley is so great. She says, when they find the maniac who did this to you, I will kill him. And after I kill him, I will sue him. <laughs> yes. And Hannah's first question is whether the other liars are there. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's like the number one thing on her mind. Um, Ashley says she sent the liars home. Uh, Sean was there too. And a boy named Lucas. Who is he exactly? <laughs> Ugh. We'll learn all about who he is by episode's end. Uh, injured Hannah tries to reach for her phone to call Spencer. She needs to get them back to the hospital. Ashley says that can wait. Hannah insists it cannot. And Ashley says she'll call the girls. Hannah should rest. Why do you think she specifically singles out Spencer? I think because Spencer is the de facto leader. And I think that actually mm-hmm. Spencer and Hannah at this point are sort of the co-leaders. So I, I mm-hmm. that she looks at Spencer as sort of her partner in 
you know, crime solving and detecting at this point. So it was always really interesting to me. This is jumping way ahead, but it was always really interesting to me in season three when Spencer has her breakdown, the new de facto leader becomes Emily. Yeah. And that in the storyline, I kind of liked that storyline for Emily, but it, it seemed odd to me that Hannah would not automatically become the leader because even though I know that there's a lot of like Hannah being stupid or whatever, Hannah also is really sharp and really uh, kind of has a mind for the mystery in a lot of ways. I would definitely agree with that, but I think that Hannah does not have uh, this is going to sound weird. Like it might be because Emily and Spencer are both involved in athletics. I don't feel Mm. like Hannah has the experience in leading a team that the two of them might have. Um, But she is, she is very smart. I feel like Hannah instinctively follows uh, rather than necessarily takes the lead herself, partly because she has a lot of humility and Mm -hmm. also partly just because that's how Mona has trained her to be. And that's how Allison trained her to be. But absolutely. I I think that definitely um, when we get to the later seasons, if Spencer were out of the equation, Hannah, by that point, would be the de facto leader like when you get to like season six and seven agreed one of my favorite eras is when spencer and hannah are like basically co-detecting uh-huh. in in season seven or season i think it's season six early season six it's great i love that yeah i mean by that point they're trusting hannah to like remove the trackers from their necks so obviously <laughs> hannah has a position of responsibility by that point uh, that's true but elsewhere uh elsewhere on the show right now uh some people have real problems namely uh-huh. Namely, Presria having a powwow about the ICU rear window condescension scrawl. Uh, Arya pretends it could have been done after Ezra parked. He is not buying it. Uh, I see you. That's very specific, he claims. Wow. What a writer, guys. Uh, (laughs) He is certain it means somebody saw them last night. and just, you know, tossing out ideas, might I suggest not having this argument out in the street in broad daylight if privacy is a concern? <laughs> yes, I have the, the, the phrase broad daylight in my notes as well. Ezra's dialogue is just infuriating. I mean, he's basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's basically saying like, Aria, stop being such a stupid bitch. This obviously happened last night, you illiterate child. Like, Ezra, ugh, ugh. Ugh, he's awful. He is. Arya wipes the message off with her sleeve and acts like problem solved. Right, right. It's like, yeah, yeah. See no evil, hear no evil kind of thing. Um, at the Fields house, they're having this like big grand suburban breakfast around the, the table. Uh, Emily. The most gigantic fruit bowl in town. <laughs> I don't know if you saw how big that fruit bowl was. Oh, I did. Like in in pictures of pilgrims, where there's like a cornucopia full of fruit. That is the level of their fruit bowl. Just just want to make a note. And just so much food. It just seemed like so much food for the three of them. Um, Emily doesn't really have an appetite. She defends Toby, and again, I feel like the Toby as queer metaphor kind of continues here where uh, Toby, you know, Emily is saying, like, nobody really knows the truth, da-da-da-da-da. Of course, she's also talking about herself. 
Yes, yes. And her parents are bringing up Ben, who everyone else has basically forgotten about, saying that maybe he can give her a ride to the hospital if she's too stressed out to drive. Uh, She admits that they are actually over. um, And then when her phone goes off at the table, Pam tries to like rule no phones at the table, but it could be about Hannah. So Wayne kind of motions to let it slide. uh, And it is Ashley M texting that Hannah wants company. Yeah, you know, I like this little scene. I feel like we get a real sense of the family dynamic when Wayne is back in town here, that he's um, he's a little bit more lenient because he is more absent. Yes. And he also doesn't really know what's going on in Emily's life. Uh, and I can see how you, you can read a lot into kind of the, the Pam Wayne uh, parental dynamic uh, with regards to Emily there. I also just, it's funny to me to imagine like Ashley texting Emily, like, Hey, um, <laughs> yo girl, what's up? <laughs> well, yeah. And she signs it Ashley M in case there are other <laughs> Ashley's who would also be texting Emily regarding Hannah's condition. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Hannah's hospital room, uh, it's, it's kind of great. The liars are there and Hannah sends Ashley away. But my question is, should Ashley have insisted on staying? Well, Ashley cannot insist on staying because she is clutching her purse like it contains a baby due to the fact that it still contains the stacks of cash that she stole from the bank. So Ashley has to go home because she needs to find a hiding place for her ill-gotten monies so i mean in in like the realm of parenting should ashley have demanded to stay probably but i understand why she goes because a girl's gotta go and hide her bricks of cash sometime she has to go find a lasagna box yeah i mean help her through she's been going through this whole like ever since hannah has been in the hospital she's it's probably very heavy because it's full of money and she's got to like drag it around and try not to look suspicious she can't like leave it laying about anywhere in case someone accidentally finds it and opens it so she needs to like she needs to set the weight down on that that's such a good point i hadn't really thought about that how like that added layer of stress for ashley through all of this like she must just be a sweaty mess underneath her pantsuit Indeed. Yep. Yep. Um, but the big reveal here, Noel Khan is A. Bum bum bum. Yes. And it's revelation after revelation. Hannah saw him write an A message on a car. What message? What car? Um, Aria Cops. It was ICU. She was in the car. It was Ezra Fitz, adult male English teacher's car. Shock stairs jacques and this is actually so interesting because i really think the girls would be more likely to tell an adult or the police if a hadn't already indoctrinated them against it yeah that's a great point that's a really great point i feel like in this scene the liars are indignant but not quite for the right reasons um i one of my all-time favorite unintentional funny moments in Pretty Little Liars, it's Spencer going, since Labor Day? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, because of the way that time moves in Rosewood, we're not sure exactly what day it is now, but it was warm enough that they could glamp in the woods in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to say it can't be like 
much later than early November. So it's not like it's not like it's Memorial Day here already. Right. Well, and in the next episode, Spencer will make some reference to Alex's the rest of Alex's summer, which I know it's not supposed to be summer, but it's like way to just throw that curveball in in a bizarre way. Um yeah, they, Hannah is really indignant because she was trying to set Arya up with Noel, and Arya was together with Ezra the whole time, or Mr. Fitz, as they're calling him. Um, Spencer is immediately very disapproving. Again, not really for the right reasons. Uh, and I'm, you know, I just was thinking about like if they had let Ashley stay, or if Ashley had demanded that she stay, and that and she had heard all of this, how different everything would have been. A hundred percent agree. Ashley Marin, of all the parents, would not have let that go. I also would say that if Veronica had overheard this about mm-hmm. Aria and her teacher, I, and Pam, yeah, I actually would say that if any of the parents had been aware of it at this point, other than when Ella eventually becomes aware of it, I feel like any of the other parents would have would have called the police pretty unhesitatingly. Any of the other moms. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That is a very important distinction. Yeah, Peter Hastings would have been like, hey, good for that old boy. <laughs> Hastings would be like, call me. Yeah. That's true. Talk about it at the club. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Aria has picked up the this person who likes me can't be a baton uh, that Emily recently set down and says <laughs> that girl can't be a. Hannah says she saw what she saw. Uh, and then we get a knock on the door. Hannah hopes it is going to be someone with painkillers, but nope. <laughs> it's Noel Khan. <laughs> Noel Khan. Yes, with a get well soon balloon and a little bear trying to horn his way in for a visit. Arya does not let him in. She goes in the hallway to talk to him and his gift basket. And uh, she is she's being kind of the the guard dog trying to keep Noel separate from the liars right now. And, you know, it's a really interesting and kind of bizarre conflict. Like Arya thinks that Noel ran Hannah over while also knowing that Noel knows about Presria and Noel is really like, as we'll learn later, Noel is really just kind of sad and confused here. Like he's not really plotting anything. Well, maybe he's plotting something, but like, Noel is is being a pretty good guy. He does lie about where he was. He says he was hanging out with Sean. Um, But but I I don't know. What do you think Noel's intentions for for showing up here were for? Just to confront Arya? No, I think he had good intentions. I think that he actually does, at this point, care about Hannah um, as his best friend's girlfriend and as Mm -hmm. Arya's friend. I think that he sees them, the four of them, as kind of unit. Um, and so I feel like his intentions in showing up were not malicious in this way. No, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm very pro Noel this episode. Um, we go, we go back to the Fields house where Pam and Wayne are going over a list of household needs. He, uh, he reveals that he won't be here for long. This is kind of the first mention of Texas, which will become a, a running theme in their story. Uh, and, and, you know, Pam starts talking about Emily being very confused. Uh, clearly, she's thinking that Emily's newfound whatever is going on with that girl in California is a result of Wayne being gone. 
And she has an interesting line where she says daughters don't talk to their mothers the way they talk to their dads, which I'm not sure if that's necessarily true, but maybe in their family it is. Maybe in their family it is. I think that Emily probably, we know that she idolizes her dad, and we also know that by virtue of the fact that she has uh, less quantity of time with him, that it seems like Mm -hmm. she does try to make it uh, of greater quality of time that she spends with him. So I, I do see where in their particular dynamic uh, that Emily might be more inclined to talk to Wayne. Um, But I think that the, the distance in this scene that we're seeing between Pam and Wayne is really interesting where Mm -hmm. Wayne is interested. They're kind of like snuggling on the couch and Pam is constantly trying to sort of like get up and start cleaning, uh, which is sort Mm -hmm. of a, it's sort of her way of processing what she sees as this dirty secret of Emily's that she's in on which I feel like mm. is an interesting, interesting note. Uh, but, but Wayne very sweetly says if she wants to know something, she should ask Emily. Emily will tell the truth. Oh, poor Emily. Where Emily gets her eternal optimism from. Yes, Emily is a lot like Wayne. Yes, uh, she is. Yes. Oh, I, I am going to turn it over to you. Uh, as as a disciple of the Church of Vander Jesus, if you would like to take us into the next scene. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. Uh, we go back to the hospital room where Hannah, uh, she's having these sort of scary, hazy flashbacks. She's creeped out by the bear that Noel has left her. Uh, I, and I d- did take the note that I feel like this show does medicated very well. Uh, there's a few times through the series where they'll kind of show somebody being medicated and I feel like it it comes across well but uh the door slowly creaks open Hannah's very concerned and what should wave in but a white bra and I just I had forgotten about this moment and I just I just burst out in delighted laughter not only is it a white bra it is a white bra attached to the hand of our dear Vander Jesus who comes into the room with a peace offering of a bra oh this show oh this character how often have they gone lingerie shopping together for this to be an established thing between them is this mona's bra is this a bra that she's brought bought for hannah oh my goodness oh my goodness (laughs) it actually never occurred to me to wonder whose bra that is but that's a great question (laughs) right whose bra is this is this like hannah's favorite bra from home that mona brought her uh i i don't know uh but i i just i just love the fact that hannah doesn't comment on the bra says to me how established this is between them that like you bring la perla when you want to apologize um and i really do think that mona feels guilty here while also trying to discern what hannah knows uh and mona says i almost feel guilty Hannah says, Mona, you don't have anything to feel guilty for. Little do you know, Hannah. Uh, And then Hannah says the past is forgotten, or one of them says the past is forgotten, friends forever. Is that Mona or Hannah who says that? Uh, I think it's Hannah. This is a great scene of Mona as Mona and Mona as A. Like, Hannah is scared that it's A at the door, but then relieved when it's Mona um you know mona says if she hadn't invited hannah she would never have been so desperate as to sneak around the edge of the party even though that's exactly where a wanted her to be um Mm -hmm. as you noted mona who just hit hannah with the car says i almost feel guilty um 
And then Mona promises never to believe another rumor unless she starts it herself, which <laughs> she totally did. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Mona uh, offers to do Hannah's makeup because Hannah is kind of vague looking, <laughs> she says, without it. And she gets serious and she tells the story of when Hannah barfed in front of everyone after doing a backflip on a trampoline and Hannah dismounted by wiping her mouth and taking a bow. And Mona felt it was this incredible life lesson and knew right then that she wanted to marry Hannah. (laughs) My closed captioning said, wanted to be your friend. How strange. (laughs) Yes, this was clearly the moment when Mona fell in love with Hannah. Uh, I love this, you know, this scene with the makeup, this will be really beautifully called back in the beginning of season three, when Mona is in Radley and Hannah comes and does her makeup. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a gorgeous scene. It's so, uh, and what I, what I like about this scene is that obviously like we're reading it with all this shippiness because how do you not, but it's also just a really beautiful friendship scene. Uh, and when Hannah says, I never knew that, referring to the story, Mona says, because I never told you, which, oh, that line, that I, line. Those lines could follow, I've always been in love with you. Yep. I never knew that because I never told you. Mona just couldn't find the right way to tell her. <sighs> oh, Vandermeeren, you, you just, you rip our hearts out in the best way. Spoon. Yes, yes. Um, we go to Arya's room. This is really interesting. The the they're ta- the liars are talking about Ian and Allison, and I really feel like Arya is insisting that Ian and Allison weren't a thing because she doesn't want to see the pervasiveness or connection to her own predatory relationship. She doesn't want to see this as a pattern of behavior within the town or within sort of life itself. She wants to see her relationship with Ezra as being you know, star-crossed lovers who fell in love across time and space. I would agree. I would agree with that. She wants to keep herself distinct. I also feel like Arya is like, she is in so much denial over the reality of her, like the nature of her relationship and the nature of Presria that, mm-hmm. that she is getting into the habit of denying reality when confronted with it. Um, she doesn't want to believe that Noel could be involved in anything. She doesn't like, there are just so many things over the course of these two episodes that she is sort of flatly refusing to believe or accept, even when uh, there is more than usual evidence to support them. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I also feel like, and I have a note about this later, but I also feel like we're really seeing that Aria is one of those people who sort of, communicates with others as little as possible uh, and and doesn't tell people really like tells people the minimum amount of information about everything as uh, sort of a way to protect herself, which is, is a very frustrating person to communicate with. That's definitely true. Um, In this situation, one of Arya's reasons for not believing that Noel is A is because Spencer had previously been sure it was Toby, and now she switched to Noel really quickly. But, I mean, Hannah saw Noel doing an A-like thing, and they know that Toby couldn't have hit Hannah with the car. So I feel like this quick switch over to thinking it's Noel has a lot more meat on it than many of Spencer's other accusations. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting when Arya said that my first thought was like, oh, Arya, you have no idea like this is going to be Spencer's MO for the rest of the series. But it is true that this is this is kind of the first major version of that because they've pretty much believed it was Toby slash maybe Jenna from the get go. Uh, But it actually does does hold a little bit more weight here based on the things that they've seen Noel do yes now i think the next scene is also going to give us a lot to talk about a nurse is telling someone visiting hours were over two hours ago and then we see someone entering hannah's room it is lucas he creepily stares at her sleeping beauty face and pink satin robe and he kneels down and there is something about him kneeling down that i find so much creepier than if he were standing up i don't know why i feel that way but i really do i I think it is like the sleeping beauty thing like he thinks that hannah is going to like wake up and he's going to be right there to propose i don't know it's creepy Um, he kneels down and he kisses her on the forehead creeper uh, then as he's leaving she sits up actually awake to see that it was him as he is leaving and i've got to say ugh to the sweet country instrumental playing during that scene oh my god yes yeah there's like this this it's it's i think it's the hannah lucas theme because it's it plays through a number of their scenes uh yeah i you know I'll have more to say about Lucas in a little bit, his, his kind of confrontation with Hannah, but Lucas, man, like he, he is sure used up any, well, I never had any goodwill towards him. Uh, that's been well established, but he is just a grade A, you know, nice guy, capital N, capital G, creepy, creepy dude. And uh, I, I don't care for him. In my memory of the show, um because like when we started talking about this i was like yeah i I don't really mind lucas i'm kind of agnostic on him i don't like it when he kisses hannah in the hospital but other than that he's like pretty okay um i really have had to reassess on this rewatch because i my memory of it was that sean was a really bad boyfriend and i found lucas's affection for hannah to be very very winning and kind of charming uh, and I think that I think that it was probably like it was really more just that he's like an age appropriate dude who seemed to like Hannah. I should have really looked at it more critically, but yeah, he is uh, he has lost any points that he ever had with me uh, through this rewatch. He is he is not he is not acting like an upright citizen here by any means. Well, you know. I- I feel like um, I'm going to take us on a slight journey here, but stay with me because I'll bring it back. But so when um, when Friends came, Friends, the TV show came onto Netflix a few years ago and everybody was rewatching it. I feel like there was a lot of talk about how people were recognizing just how terrible Ross was and how really Joey was actually even though Joey was kind of painted as this Lothario, he was actually a pretty good guy. And I kind of feel like maybe we're having a little bit of that experience, Re, Noel, and Lucas. Not that they're vying for the same character's affections necessarily, but that Lucas, who's sort of painted as um, the, the, the nice guy, the sweet guy, the nerd, is really kind of a Ross Geller entitled asshole. 
And Noel, who the stock character is that he's kind of a jerk, is actually a pretty good guy. Uh, so that I don't know. That's that. Those are my, that's some of my two cents on that. Um, and I have a, I have more to say about Lucas and Lucas um, Lucas re Mona in a little bit, but uh, I, I'll save that for for when we get into Lucas and Hannah's conversation. Good call. Good call. Uh, the next morning, Hannah wakes up and we learn that Sean sent orchids. <laughs> Not to stereotype, but Sean sent orchids. Sean really loves, loves putting together a nice flower arrangement, whether it's, you know, his, his, his flowers for Aria, uh, the orchids for Hannah. He just he gets a lot of joy out of that. He certainly does. I I mean, I'm sure that all the high school boys are sending orchids now. Um, I'm not sure of that. I think it might only be the gay ones. Oh, you think? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, Ashley tells Hannah they don't have to worry about money anymore, but makes it sound like the bank gave them an accommodation rather than telling her about the bricks of bills. Right. Right. Uh, of course, we know the truth, and it won't be long before Hannah knows the truth as well. Uh, we go to the music room where Aria is jamming out on the piano. Uh, when Noel arrives, I really do think that music is is a connecting point between the two of them, that he, he heard her playing. Um, Aria confronts Noel about being at Camp Mona. Noel, this, feel, this feels exactly like the type of guy that Noel is. He insists that it was like a joke that they were going to play on all the girls. Noel is totally that guy. Uh, but then Noel go, goes and says all the right things. Uh, he, they start talking about Presria. Noel says, what did he promise you? I'll go to the principal with you. You can take this guy down for what he made you do, and they can put him in jail. And it's like, yes, finally, somebody is saying the right things. Somebody has a game plan that they should absolutely go and do. But, of course, Arya says it's not like that. And she makes Noel promise not to say anything. Yes. Uh, I am going to have a note about uh, Noel being exactly the kind of guy that you, uh, that is like inspired to try and scare girls in the woods, whether planned by Mona or not planned by Mona. Because we know that in the first secret episode, Allison had engaged Noel to uh, scare the girls by pretending to murder her while wearing the burlap baby costume. Uh, Noel was supposed to do that and then he couldn't because his brother took the car so Noel was engaged to scare Allie in that episode and then Allie also hires Noel to scare Ashley because uh, he's the one who's in the house with the knife right. in season 5 so yeah if you're in Rosewood and you need a dude to scare some girls Noel is obviously like at the top of the list in the phone book he also he also had that weird chest burster thing in the Halloween train episode that freaked the girls yes! out. So clearly, like I, I, he just seems like that's a character detail that feels absolutely perfect to me because there's always those guys in high school who are like they they're really a little too into pranks um, <laughs> and like freaking girls out and like grossing girls out. And that is completely that feels completely pitch perfect that Noel would be that kind of guy. Agreed, agreed. But he is showing tons of appropriate concern here about yes. Arya and her situation. And more than that, at this point, he's also uh, respecting her boundaries when she says, no, I don't want to do anything about this yet. Um, at this point in the story, he he does give her the freedom to make that choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and yet, you know, the code of silence continues here. We're, we're not going to the principal. We're not getting the police involved. We are keeping this secret. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, we go to the hallway where Emily is just calling up the FBI, as you do. Uh, she's trying to arrange a visit with Toby. Creepy Jenna is in the hallway and overhears the conversation, says he doesn't want to see you. And even if he did, I wouldn't let him. Um, I love the idea that Jenna, like, has pull with the FBI. <laughs> like, she's like, no, no, don't allow that visitor. I'm Jenna. I'm telling you what you will be doing. Well, Jenna is sitting there in the hallway with her cane out as, like, a tripping hazard. Like, like she's just sitting there, probably hoping she's going to be able to trip a liar as they walk by. Like, that's her, yeah. that's her deal. Um, but, yeah, she also blames Emily for all of Toby's misfortunes, rather than blaming mm-hmm. Toby's dumbass for keeping that sweater. Um, <laughs> and she and hiding at the church. <laughs> she vows to never let anyone come between her and Toby again. Emily counters that someone should have come between them a long time ago, like a social water with a, the social worker with a bucket of ice water. And Jenna stalks off, throwing back a, I can't imagine why everyone says you're the sweet one. Where's that bucket of ice water? Emily just got burned. (laughs) I like this um, sort of establishing of the liar's archetypes. I find that really interesting. I mean, obviously we've seen Emily be the sweet one, but it's, it's it's kind of cool to have somebody calling that out in the text. Yes, and I feel like this solidifies um, a pattern that we see play out through the rest of the series that Emily has the most animosity towards Jenna. In almost Mm -hmm. any situation, uh, it's always Emily who dislikes and distrusts her the most. We, I think we see Arya overall uh, distrust Jenna the least. Arya has, Mm -hmm. I think, her sympathy towards her uh hannah and spencer i think are in the middle just finding her like creepy and off-putting um but but i think that emily from this moment on is like the open stated enemy of jenna marshall i agree i agree although i actually think hannah has a really interesting relationship with jenna because uh you know jenna enlisted caleb will enlist caleb later and hannah has the big slap and then later, Hannah actually saves Jenna from the house fire. And so they have, a, they have kind of a curious arc. And I feel like that's uh, really kind of a great metaphor for Hannah's forgiveness, which is certainly a recurring character trait for her. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Do uh, you want to take us to the hospital? Oh, I do. I do. Back at the hospital, we have a visit from a dream ghost. <gasps> Allison, yes. dream ghost Laurentis is here in her candy striper outfit, not even wearing a wig or a surgical mask to hide her face or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, she opens up with a, did you miss me? Uh, and Hannah seems unsure whether this scene is happening or not, but she does ask salient questions, such as, I thought you were dead. What happened to you? What happened that night in the barn? <laughs> Allison, Allison is like the sphinx of candy stripers, answering like, I heard that too. 
complicated than algebra. And my favorite, you already know. The four of you remember more about that night than you think you do. Yep. How, yeah. how I would have loved for that to be true if only the four of them together knew that Allison left the barn to meet with Toby, then got in Ezra's car, then met Ian to make a video at the Kissing Rock, then came back to the barn and fought with Spencer, then had a run with Jenna and Garrett where he fake killed her with Spencer's field hockey stick, then she blackmailed Byron at Montgomery, then got a rock to the head from Charlotte who thought she was Bethany, then got buried alive in the backyard by her mother but held her breath until she was able to reach a hand out of the grave and be rescued by Carla Grunwald before going on the run with an assist from Mona. If <laughs> The four of them together knew that. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. You know, Allison, like, she she really she she has a very good good sense of time management. She can fit a lot into one evening. Wow. I mean, she gets more done in one evening before going on the run than most of us do in a lifetime, quite honestly. Oh my God. I know. I know. Um, I do love the line. You think the truth is some sh- big shiny disco ball of purity, um, and then of course the 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 classic alley line. You're always better off with a really good lie. Yes. Uh, I I have I have some I have some thoughts on this whole scene, but I but please please continue taking us through it if you would like. No, I think you're right. I think that the line about the disco ball of purity is really important. It establishes Allison as character who does not believe in the truth, who does not believe that the truth is going to be what sets you free. Um, and also, I just want to say, check the way Allie's hands are clasped below her stomach as she's getting ready to leave the room. I know there exists at least one person who was aghast at the idea that Allison could have been pregnant as a solution to the mystery, where she went and what was happening. But that gesture feels very, she was pregnant and was murdered as a result to me. Yeah, this is, I love this scene. Uh, this will be, you know, the first of, first of many dream ghost alley. Was she really there? Was she really not moments? But uh, I, go ahead. I was going to say, like, in these fuzzy filters, like you were just saying, it's always left ambiguous as to whether or not she was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's basically like, schrodinger's bisexual ghost cat um (laughs) do you like this scene better if Allie is there or if she's a projection of hannah's thoughts and desires i actually i like it if she is there there are other dream scenes where i think it works better if she wasn't but the line and the reason i feel that way is the line i was so scared you were gonna die i really love the idea that underneath all of Allie's, you know tough bitch exterior she loves her friends more than anything and she would she would throw it all away she would throw her possible you know candy striper on the run existence away to get to come back and make sure that hannah is okay what about you um I like this one. I like this one either way, I think. Okay. I, I think you make a great point about Allison saying she was so scared, especially because if this Allison is a projection of Hannah, I don't know that Hannah would think that Allison would be scared for her. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is an important distinction. Um, but I feel like when I was wondering, like, 
is Allie just a projection of Hannah's thoughts and desires? What if that's all Allison ever is, really? Like, what if all of the Allisons that we see in the flashbacks are just like a refraction mm. of what desires believed about her, what like the self-invented imaginary Allison was to them now that she's gone? And what if that's why Allison is so boring when she gets back? Like, what if she was always boring, but the liars, like, bought into the idea that she was darkly glamorous? Oh, that's a really interesting idea. Wow, you almost made me like Boring Allie from the last two seasons. Good job. Um, that's, a, that's a very interesting idea. That's a very interesting idea. Because in some ways, it feels like that's what Charlotte was to Allison. Exactly that Charlotte was really this projection of everything that Allison wanted to be. And that's why like the whole thing of, I, I mean, it's like a copy of a copy of a copy, which is kind of why naming her Cece is sort of brilliant uh, because it's like Charlotte, Charlotte is Hannah is, or Charlotte is Allison is Hannah is Charlotte is Allison is Hannah is Bethany Young is Sarah Harvey. You know, it's, it, it just keeps going and going sometimes in a way that's, you know, a little bit a little bit more um shower showerific and uh and upsetting and sometimes in a way that's really really fascinating and cool uh yeah I, I, is mona too because mona you know she she certainly liked wearing that mask as well yeah and mona liked creating like mona liked creating the new allison mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's almost like a whole frankenstein's monster kind of thing yes. that's really interesting um I love all of that. I also really love how I feel like what Allie is saying in this scene kind of speaks to the Me Too movement in a lot of ways. Uh, this whole idea of what, you know, what is the truth? What is a lie? What do you do when the truth is really, really inconvenient and you're not even going to be believed anyway? You tell a really good lie. Uh, I also feel like it kind of works in conversation with both Arya and Toby's storylines, both of them being um, being really v- victims of sexual predators at this point in the show. Uh, but whereas Toby feels that he would never be believed, Arya has completely been gaslit into believing that she's not being taken advantage of. Yes, and I think that that is an interesting point, especially with everything that Allison says about the truth, tell the truth, see how far it gets you, because... The truth that Hannah has just learned is that Arya is sleeping with the teacher. Like that, mm-hmm. and that Noel Khan may be A, but uh, the, the big truth that, you know, I think subconsciously might be on Hannah's mind at this point is probably that their adult male English teacher is involved with her friend. Right, right. Well, and that, I mean, this this is what this is what Allison was going through because of all of her involvement with various, various older men. Uh, and also like this really speaks to Ian and Spencer's storyline, especially later in this season as Spencer, uh, as, as, as Ian becomes more and more just this fixture, this fixture in Spencer's life. And she's basically trying to say to her family, I hate having this man around. He scares me. He's a bad man he hurt Allison and nobody is listening to what she's saying. Yes. Or, or believing her. Yes. Um, do we want to move on to Presria having the same discussion they always have? <laughs> yes. All right.
right. So that's what's happening now with Arya saying their situation makes her miserable sometimes, but he doesn't make her unhappy. Yeah, that sounds super, super healthy. Yeah, yes. She's two seconds away from bursting into a Cheryl Crow song, so. <laughs> yeah, Ezra is knowing that Arya could start to pull away. Uh, he spins some bullshit about her being right. Uh, and then he, you know, has to do his classic gaslighting. Careful made you unhappy. Uh, and, uh, you know, w- would you have even talked to me that first day in the bar? Arya asks. Of course he would. He knew exactly who you are along oh this couple is just the worst uh we then see aria and emily having a hallway confab where aria is trying to get emily to refer to mr fitz their adult male english teacher who she's convinced she's dating in a non-problematic way as (laughs) Ezra. emily shall not and asks questions that point to aria's lackluster communication skills with both of her suitors mr fitz and mr khan (laughs) <laughs> yes yes oh man i just I, noel noel khan as a teacher would just be he'd be like oh hey, yeah you know let's blow off glass today let's go to the arcade like he would just he, yeah uh <laughs> noel khan okay so then we have this lucas hannah scene boy oh boy um we go back to the hospital room lucas presents Hannah with this tray of various puddings. Ghost uh, pudding. Ghost, what did you say? Scotch. Oh. <laughs> tapioca. I actually like tapioca pudding. Um, but I know that a lot of people don't. Uh, <laughs> um, and Hannah, she's trying really hard here. She makes sure to put emphasis on the importance of their friendship. Um, she kind of gives him this really adorable little monologue about how her medication is making her have all these crazy visions. Uh, and then Lucas, Lucas jumps in and says, oh, like a vision that I kissed you while you were asleep or something like that. I feel like he's kind of doing, he's doing a little bit of like an Ezra move here where it's like, I'm going to get out in front of this thing by like saying the thing and then making you have the reaction to it. Like it's, it's like this weird, it feels like kind of a bit of a power play here. Yes, especially because Hannah is being gentle and big hearted. Like she is opening the conversation in like a very kind way. She's being very gentle and very clear and very direct. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And his defense that he offers, his very first thing that he says is, I thought you might have been awake. And then I thought, if she was awake and she didn't scream, that was a good sign. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, dear. Lucas, oh dear, indeed. Lucas is super problematic in this scene. Um, he, Hannah is like, you know, she brings up Sean she's just she's being very level-headed like you said very calm and gentle and lucas you know he says i feel like you're breaking up with me but we were never really even together i think you deserve a better boyfriend hannah rightly points out well that's between me and sean and she says that she doesn't want to lie to him and lucas says well couldn't you just keep lying for old time's sake which really shows that he doesn't care at all about who she is or what she actually wants he just wants her to keep playing along 
and he feels completely entitled to uh to a romantic relationship with her that that he's so mad that she was nice to him and that um that he you know deigned to be nice to her because he's not getting you know the quote-unquote reward of a uh of her sleeping with him uh yeah i will say that that line where he asks if she could just keep lying to him as if it wouldn't make a difference as if he would prefer it um, that definitely was the basis for when I put them together briefly in slouching towards Bethlehem, um, hmm. where they're married and he like doesn't know or doesn't want to know that it's fake. Um, Interesting. At any rate, um, I would just like to dig down on the things that he is saying here because if you thought she was awake. <laughs> A thing that you could do that you have the freedom to do is to ask. You can ask A, if she is awake, and B, if you can kiss her. (laughs) Good lord. Also, if she was asleep, what then? Then you'll just never be held accountable? (laughs) Good lord. Hannah, she says she was too surprised to do anything in the moment. And Hannah is 100% correct here that even if you freeze in the face of this kind of behavior, you absolutely can bring it up later. This is not a don't scream behavior okay window that exists. Mm -hmm. Like future Supreme Court justices, take note. (laughs) Oh, yep. And Lucas, like, he's so disbelieving. Like, really? You were that surprised? And it's true he has not been subtle about his flirting, but I believe Hannah legit has self-image issues to the point where I really can buy that she didn't think that's what it was. Well, also, I mean, Hannah's been best friends with Mona for a long time. Like, Hannah's pretty good at not noticing when somebody is in love with her. (laughs) That is also a valid point. Yeah, it's it's... Uh, it's so I really think that Lucas like I think we talked about this in one of the last episodes but like I really think that Lucas doesn't even want the the status or the like experience of dating Hannah or sleeping with Hannah or kissing Hannah I really think that he wants the self-satisfaction of being shot down by Hannah and then getting to feel self-righteous about it and getting to feel like he was right about her all along. Um, When we get to the next episode, I think we'll have a lot more to say about that, but his anger here is very disproportionate. Like he is walking out of this situation. um, He's walking out, making Hannah feel like she needs to make him feel better, which is really like, it is really a, a Presra Fitz move where he has he has transgressed, but then he makes you feel like you need to make him feel better about it. Um, yep. So we'll we'll have a lot more to say, but his anger here is disproportionate. And in the next episode, uh, when we get a sense of his anger again, like there's a point in that episode where I'm like, okay, this is legitimately like this is legitimately worrying. Um, I would be afraid that he wants to like murder you and all your friends and could be a. Um, yeah well I also you know because because like I was trying to think about okay Mona in this situation because we talk a lot about some of the similarities between Lucas and Mona and I think a big difference is that Mona for all of her uh, you know possessiveness and obsessiveness and uh, fixation on Hannah and all of that 
I don't think that Mona feels entitled to a romantic relationship with Hannah. What do you think about that? I would agree with that. And I would also say another distinction is that Mona sees Hannah as a person. Yes. I am not an idea. Not an idea and not an object that his desires are entitled to be acted upon. Um, And I would also like to say that Lucas points out uh, when, when Hannah says that she has a boyfriend, uh, Lucas says, I think you deserve a better boyfriend. And Lucas is correct. Hannah does deserve a better boyfriend than Sean, but that does not follow that just because you clocked that, there is a universal rule that you're next in line. Like you have the next number at like the BMV and you get called up to be the next boyfriend. That is yep. not the case. And he, um, he obviously feels like, you know, basically uh, he's paid for dinner. That's, that's what he's acting like. He's paid right. for dinner. And now he's owed something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there really does seem to be this thing of like, I was actually nice to you and I don't get anything in return. It's like you get friendship with this awesome person, Lucas, like you are being such a jerk right now. It's just, it's just crazy. And it's really like, like you said, like it really is troubling this behavior that he's showing this rage. Uh, And Hannah is, Hannah is, it's really, it's a, I, th- I would imagine that it's a really sad moment for Hannah here because she thought she had a genuine friendship with this guy and he, you know, he's proving here that he didn't, he didn't really ever want to be her friend. He just thought it was, you know, a stepping stone on the way to uh, his, what, what he felt he deserved from her. Well, yes. And when you think about what Hannah's friendship has already done for Lucas, she's helping him with the yearbook. She has stood up for him to try to get Mona to not make fun of him uh, Mm -hmm. at various points. And, you know, he is a nerd. We never see Lucas with any other friends except Caleb, who is like definitely a Hannah adjacent character when he arrives. So Lucas goes from having no friends to being friends with the most popular girl in school. And he just acts like, well, if she's not going to be making out with me, this is valueless. Exactly. Well, and it really makes you think about um, like the way he felt about feels about her is not really specific to her at all, but this is, he that he, and we get a sense of this later as well that he really probably had a similar fixation on Allison uh and it again it's it's sort of goes back to that like copy of a copy of a copy thing it's like it, you know it's it's like he just wants i mean this is kind of maybe extreme but it's almost like he just wants you know an Allison or Hannah blow up doll like it's just the idea of this person being into him much more than the person person herself or what the person might actually think or feel or want. Yeah, um, spoilers for Buffy, but he wants the Buffy bot. Yes, that's, yes. That's what he wants. He wants the Hannah version of that. The Hannah version of that with, like, a detachable alley mask that he can, ah! yes. that he can put on. Yes. yes. That yeah. is what he wants. Yeah. Oh, okay. For now, can we put him behind us? Yes, yeah, that was that that conversation got really creepy. Uh, <laughs> that's better after that. Yes, Emily on the phone with her lady love Maya, 
Her dad comes in and initiates a conversation about how she's trying to visit Toby. What's going on? Who is she afraid of? Uh, she admits that she's actually afraid of him and of her mother because she's not who they think she is. Um, he says she's his little girl. He has a picture of her in his wallet, etc. cetera. Uh, she says that she's eight years old in that picture. She's not the same girl. And then she admits that she's gay. She says it twice. Mm-hmm. Wayne is stunned and he sits down heavily on the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first time we've heard her say those words. Yes. We've, you know, she's talked about how she felt about Allison. She's talked about how she's felt about Maya but she hasn't talked about what those feelings might mean in terms of who she is. This is the first time she's saying them. Uh, I love that this is the first time she's saying them. I love her body language in this scene. She's, the the way this whole scene is filmed is great. He's kind of standing over her. She's cowering a bit, has her eyes down, can't meet his eyes. Uh, I love that she says it twice. I was thinking to myself, I'm sure that she practiced many times in front of the mirror, not even practiced for this conversation, because I don't think she knew she was going to come out to him in this moment. But um, I can just see her looking in the mirror and saying those words. Uh, It's yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. Um, And yet, we also feel Emily's fear here as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. And this is also the first time, not only that she's saying those words, but this is the first time that she is not talking about her queerness as it relates to another person. Right. Um, This is, she's like saying it out loud and owning it. And I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of Emily in this scene and how far she's come. And, you know, you can tell that she's still really scared and she didn't plan to do it in this moment, but she trusts her dad. I think that's a really Mm -hmm. beautiful part of it. Like she trusts her dad to like take this information and not be her mom basically. Right. Right. Well, and I also really love that this scene takes place in the same spot that her earlier scene with Hannah took place in. Uh, There really feels like, I mean, first of all, just like a scene taking place in her childhood bedroom, that's significant, but uh, it taking place in the same spot. It's like, look at how far she's come at that point. Not really that many episodes ago. She couldn't, she didn't know what it meant. She wasn't, she certainly wasn't using word, a word like gay to describe herself. And here she is more, more certain about, about who she is and, and what she wants for her life. Now, the scene cuts out here. We just see him, uh, you know, we just see him having this conversation with her. We see him sit down heavily on the bed. And then the next time we're going to see him, he's going to be downstairs talking to Pam. What Mm -hmm. do you think, like, what is your personal opinion of what would happen in this scene after the camera cuts away? How do you think Mm -hmm. he reacts in this moment? That's a good question. Um, I... I would guess that he pretty quickly said, I, I want to talk to your mother about this or let's have your mother come, come be a part of this. I think that, that, um, that, that them, that Wayne and Pam kind of being a team is maybe is something that's important to him at this point. I think that, 
my guess is that he left it in kind of a, we'll talk more about this in a little bit, or um, I don't know that we were, that he was, he was offering any like, I love you no matter what's at this point, maybe an I love you. And we'll talk about this more in a little bit, something like that. What do you think? I just, well, I wish that we had a little bit more of this scene. Mm-hmm. I really like with Hannah because I feel like it, it sort of teaches people who are watching the show what is a good thing to do when your friend comes out to you. And I wish that we had gotten to see the show take what is a good thing to do when your daughter comes out. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, you know that, that Wayne and Pam are going to struggle with this a bit. And we do get, you know, later on, we get Ashley Marin, who, who like really does act like this is, this is how you should be if a kid in your life is, is gay. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's consistently interesting to see how adults react to Emily coming out, I feel. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have known uh, what her dad did here in this particular moment. Well, I think that this is, this is yet another instance, and we'll see many throughout the series, where Wayne, Wayne as a character is not terribly shaded in. And a lot of the reaction that we're going to get is Pam's reaction. That's going to be basically the whole rest of this half season is that Pam is kind of going to go on this arc of um, figuring out how to be okay with this. Uh, and I wish that, that we would have gotten a little bit more about Wayne's personal reaction, his personal feelings on it, how he expresses or doesn't express that to Emily, how he expresses or doesn't express that to Pam. Uh, we get it in bits and pieces over the next couple of episodes. And obviously Wayne just isn't around that much, but uh, I think, I, I don't know. I would have, I agree with you. I would have liked to, to get a little bit more from him here. Do you want to talk about Sparia and the tree? <sighs> sure. Um, this is, <laughs> this is an interesting scene. I, so Sp- Spencer and Aria are walking through the woods. They're going to, to find the tree that um that with the alley and ian um you know heart on it and spencer is pressing for details on presria she's kind of simultaneously mocking and turned on she says something about i i what does she say i feel like i should judge you but mostly i think it's really hot or something like that thinks it's really self-destructive behavior but mostly i think it's really hot i i wish spencer were not so thirsty in reaction to yeah that's something i want to talk about what do we think about spencer's reaction to presria because this is not specific to this episode of all the liars well hannah has a reaction next episode but i think overall of all the liars spencer is the most reactive to Ezri- to presria what are your thoughts well i think that spencer is the most reactive to presria because spencer also uh has uh, an affinity for becoming involved with older male predators who are on the scene. And I would also, I mean, not to play armchair psychologist of the liars, but I would also say that Spencer and Aria are very close and they uh, not only share an affinity for older male predators, but they also have in common a lot of daddy issues yes so i think that that is the reason that spencer 
reacts much more positively to Presria than the other liars do and why she ships them through the years. Yeah, I I remember um, hearing an interview that Troyan gave where she actually talked about this a little bit. And she said something about the fact that Spencer was both sort of fascinated and jealous that Arya landed a teacher while also feeling kind of disgusted by the whole thing. And I think one could definitely read it that way. I, um, it's weird. Spencer is really, Spencer is like turned on by this. Like she, she, and she, like later, later she'll talk about that. Like there's that conversation. I'm sure we're coming up to it sometime soon where Arya is in Fitz's apartment and Spencer is like, starts like kind of play acting like they're on like a, like a phone sex line or something. Um, do you remember that, where that scene lands? I'm not sure exactly where it was. Um, I, I do remember that. I feel like you could also make a queer lens argument uh, for the indisputable queerness of Spencer Hastings uh, that a lot of this is refracted attraction to Arya herself. I think that that's something that we would be remiss if we overlooked it. Um, but I also feel like... Allie, when Allie found out about Spencer and Ian, when she caught them kissing, mm-hmm. Allie had a, even though what Allie showed to Spencer was the revulsion, Allie herself was also into it because we know that Allie went on to have a thing with Ian. So mm-hmm. I feel like in that way, Spencer's reaction is also an echo of Allison. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Oh, and that maybe even Spencer, because she's become the de facto leader, is sort of sorting out how to how to react that their former leader might have. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy the reading that this is all kind of refracted attraction to Arya. I think that certainly uh, Spencer's reaction to Presria in season four can be read that way, oh, very much so. Uh, but it, it is it is interesting. Um, Spencer, I think something we also see is that Spencer as a character has a fair amount of repression around her sexuality. Uh, I don't mean her sexual identity as in her potential queerness. I mean, like, literally her, her sexuality. Um, and, and that it that kind of pokes up in interesting ways, as often happens when people have repression around their sexuality. Uh, that that she her her thirstiness doesn't always arrive at the most opportune moments. Uh, but anyway, A has cut down a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, a whole tree down to the stump, gone. Um, and then we cut back to the Fields House where Pam and Wayne clinching worst parents of the episode Uh, normally they are not at the bottom this time they definitely are by having a giant fight in the living room about emily being gay pam says the more horrible things uh, along the lines of maya that girl from california uh the the den of iniquity uh is dragging emily into this that being gay is wrong that everything they wanted for their daughter will be destroyed that she'll ruin her life etc uh wayne 
you know, he's slightly better pointing out that it's better than doing drugs or being pregnant. Uh, He says he doesn't like it either, but he can tell that she's struggling with it and she's alive and healthy, which counts for a lot. Uh, Emily, poor Emily, is listening and crying from the top step of the stairs. Yes. Uh, It's interesting to me that they don't mention God here. Uh, I don't know if this was an intentional thing of the writers not wanting to sort of single out religion as being like the root of homophobia, but uh, I feel like Pam is is using a lot of the buzzwords that get used when somebody talks about, you know, the Bible's feelings on homosexuality. Uh, and um, yeah, poor Emily, poor Emily overhearing all of this. Pam, you know, it's funny, Pam says that this isn't something she came up with on her own. It's that girl from California just railing against all of this. And in the same breath, she said, why doesn't, why didn't she tell us she's afraid of me? It's like, <laughs> Pam... Yeah. Oh, and she also, I don't think I made a note on it here, but she also shows Wayne the pictures that A sent. Yes. Uh, yes. And so that also opens up like a rupture between the two of them because she didn't tell him about that uh, as soon as he got home. She's kind of been, uh, and I think that like the way that she was holding on to those pictures and not showing them to Wayne, I feel like it speaks so much to what she's hoping for about Emily's queerness. She's hoping that you can just like shove it in a book in the bookshelf and it'll go away, like ignore it and it'll go away or it'll change or it'll just be a phase. They'll never have to talk about it. No one else will ever have to know. Uh, And unfortunately Mm -hmm. she is not getting that wish because Emily has brought it up and centered this conversation. And now Wayne is talking to her about it and it's really just, it's tearing her up and it's breaking her heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, not not at all to defend Pam, although I have to say I felt a lot more um, empathy for Pam in watching these two episodes than I expected to. Uh, But I I can sort of see how her first introduction to Emily's queerness being these pictures from this party where they're like, it looks like they've been drinking and um, they're coming from this anonymous source like I can see how that would send her into a, oh my God, she's da 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 place, knowing what sort of Pam's baseline around all of this already is. Um, that's kind of a, it's, it's, it's an intense way to get that information. That is certainly true. However, um, one thing that Kristen Russo, who does uh, Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast and who also uh, runs Everyone is Gay uh, and My Kid is Gay, um, she talks about how when you come out to your parents they have to grieve a little bit because you as the queer person have been thinking about for a long time whether or not you're queer what it means you've like had some time perhaps to come to terms with that for yourself whereas the parent like this may legitimately be like the first time they've ever considered that this is something that applies to you um and i think that that's often true Uh, And that that can sometimes lead to initial reactions that are less than positive. But Pam has had time to think about this. Pam has had all the time in between when she got those pictures up to this moment now to think about how she would react. And instead of having a more measured or loving response, she has just been winding herself into a tighter and tighter spiral. And now in this moment, she is unraveling. Also, uh, to tap another show one day at a time does a much better job showing yes. how a parent can react 
to a child coming out and the parent having feelings about it, which is that you can have all the feelings that you want, but you can deal with that out of sight and out of earshot of your kid who just came out to you. Yep. I, I name checked one day at a time on the next episode for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I definitely don't think Pam handles this well at all. Um, I just like, I can kind of imagine how a woman like Pam receiving those pictures would start spiraling. And, you know, it's interesting later in the series, Pam will talk about how in, in reflecting, she recognized that Emily was in love with that was probably in love with Allison and she, that she sort of hadn't let her let herself see that way back when. And so, you know, it, it makes you wonder like the things that Pam has already picked up on at this point that she's just been, you know, shoving back into that bookshelf along with the pictures of Emily, right? Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that happens a lot in, in life and in Pretty Little Liars is that there is a big difference between knowing and kind of knowing. When you kind of know something, you always have a plausible deniability that exists in your brain to pretend that's not there, that it's not what you think it is, that it could actually be something totally different. Um, and once you're confronted with it, and you know it for a fact, I think that that, um, that can lead to some really surprising reactions, which I think is, is what's going on here for, for Pam Fields. Absolutely. I mean, a prime example of that would be, I would say, Mona and Hannah's relationship in many different incarnations. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we go, did you, did you have more you wanted to say on this scene? No, no. Speaking of people who are in for a surprise. <laughs> yes. Spencer Hastings is at her house with Aria. She finds some bottles of the champ of champagne in the fridge. Uh, Ian arrives. He is looking jolly. He is all dressed up. Grabs some glasses. Melissa's in the barn, he said. Uh, yeah, he'd just love to get these teen girls drunk, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's like the first thing he does. He like comes into the scene and he's like, hey, underage girls, have some champagne with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's always trying to get them to come to the barn with him. Do you notice that? Like, that will continue. Um, we learn, as Melissa strolls in in a white dress, they're married. And, uh, and Ian says, it's like last year never happened. Spencer is shocked and appalled. Aria offers this very funny and uncertain congratulations. <laughs> and, uh, and then once, once the two of them run off to be, you know, in, in their marital bliss, Aria asks Spencer, what has happened? <laughs> oh man um meanwhile presra grades papers in his darkening classroom without ever turning on any lights <laughs> yep he leaves yep. and we see noel watching him in the hallway yes you know and again like i can't fault noel for this like i i would want to keep tabs on the weird teacher too after all of that. I think that Noel is watching to see if there are any other girls that he's having relations with, because I think that if Noel reported that to Aria, I think it would change the equation for her. Well, and again, I, I, I will bring up Noel and Allison's relationship. Like, not only is Noel concerned for Aria, he might be very well be concerned that Ezra killed Allison slash was involved with Allison 
because we know that he was very connected with Allison. That's true. Do you think he knows that Allison and Ezra were involved and that that could also be feeding into his worry for Arya? Um, I don't think we get confirmation on that, but I, I like that. I like that headcanon. Hmm. Um, I, I think that I, I, I like the idea that Noel, that, that Noel knows a lot about Allison uh, and a lot about Allison's past that even the liars don't know. And uh, I, I, I feel like, yes, I feel like Noel probably has, has some hunches there. Maybe Noel just wanted to make sure that Ezra was going to write nice things about him in the book. <laughs> maybe he did. <laughs> make sure you make sure you describe just how quaffed my hair is, Mr. Fitz. <sighs> yes. Um, we go back to the hospital room where uh, Aria asks about uh, about Emily and and about the coming out. Emily has this really great line, really mature line, where she says, because uh, Arya says something like, it's going to be okay. And Emily says, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be different. Uh, which is such a great, will be so sort of beautifully echoed later in the Paige and Emily scene when, you know, Paige says, if, if I say it out loud, the whole world is going to change. And Emily says, yeah, it will. Uh, Emily is just so very brave. My other thought here, they're talking about the tree that was chopped down. Do we think Ian chopped down the tree or Mona? I think that Mona chopped down the tree, but I wouldn't swear to it. It could have been okay. Ian as well. Um, it could be either one. Um, but yeah, Spencer floats the theory that they might be dealing with two different people, that A and Allie's killer might not be the same person. Uh, mm -hmm. This freaks Hannah out, but not nearly as much as when Arya looks at her cast and points out a message that reads, sorry about losing my temper, my bad, love, A. Oh, A, you know, such a romantic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hannah's freak out dials up to an 11 as she screams for them to get it off of her, like it's a bug, not a cast. Right, <laughs> like they're just going to tear the cast right off of her leg. Oh, and then in the A tag, we have a nice cozy fireplace uh, where the Allison plus Ian log is burning merrily. Yep, yep, yeah, very, very, very cozy right by that fire. Yeah, and, and that's the end of the episode. A strong premiere, uh, very, very packed with things, really dialing up the creep factor on a number of characters and uh, setting us up for some major conflicts for the, the second half of the season. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and some great, great Vandermeeren with the La Perla truce. Oh my god. Absolutely. One of the best Vandermeeren scenes, I would say. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it is good to be back. We will be back again with Salt Meets Wound, uh, the, the second episode of the second half of season one. If you have any thoughts on, you know, Lucas being a creep, or um, whose bra that was, whose bra that was, or uh, you know, other what might have happened uh, after Emily came out to her dad. Please feel free to send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com or uh, take a look at our Instagram at everybodya. Uh, anything else? No, I think that's it. An excellent episode. Uh, good for the show to be back for the last part of the, of the first season and. Good to be back on the podcast as well. Absolutely.
All right. Until next time. Thank you.